Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, again, it is Wednesday, hump day, turn the page day here in Davie. We're going to hear from Coach Flores and his Wednesday morning media availability, as well as some other Dolphins players after practice. Plus, we'll have the first injury report of the week, and we'll detail this week's feature, Quiet and Quality, Eric Flowers. All of that and more on this Wednesday, October the 7th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And support for Drive Time comes from AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. We start this Wednesday Drive Time podcast with Brian Flores' Wednesday morning media availability as the team heads out for San Francisco on Friday. So we have three days of practice ahead of us before the flight to San Francisco with injury reports for every single one of those days, media availabilities, and we'll have a feature on today's podcast with Eric Flowers. And tomorrow we'll get into the game preview with the flashback coming up on Friday. Let's go ahead and kick this podcast off with the Wednesday injury report. And we'll go ahead and include the 49ers on tomorrow's podcast as we did last week with the Seahawks because they are on the West Coast. Those come out late. Podcast comes out before those injury reports are available. But if you check top news on MiamiDolphins.com, we'll go ahead and have that updated for you as soon as the Niners make their Wednesday injury report available. But for the Miami Dolphins on Wednesday... Three players listed on the report were full participants on Wednesday. Xavier Howard, Clayton Fedulum, and Kayvon Frazier. We had three players who were limited in practice. Cornerback Byron Jones, guard Solomon Kinley, and receiver Devontae Parker. And then three more players who did not practice on the report. Tackle Austin Jackson, defensive end Shaq Lawson, and tight end Durham Smythe did not practice on Wednesday. We'll have the Niners Wednesday report on tomorrow's podcast and have the up-to-date report on Friday for you guys. A little bit tricky again with the West Coast being out there, but we'll have it updated for you guys here on the Drive Time podcast and up on MiamiDolphins.com in the top news, the game preview as well as countdown to kickoff. And we start here with a question for Coach Flores on Wednesday morning about the quarterbacks the San Francisco 49ers have to offer. Right now, they played both Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in the game on Sunday night, the victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo, their normal starter, has been missing some time with an ankle injury. We'll see who starts the game on Sunday among those three. Here's Coach Flores talking about preparing for each quarterback the Niners have on that roster. You know, all three of them are good players. Um, so, look, we, we, there's film on all of them. Uh, we're uh, pretty much going to have to watch them all. I think we've done that um, as a staff already, and we're going through that with the players already this morning. Um, all three good players, but it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's just the quarterback. It's really – it's every it's everyone on offense. Obviously, the, the, the O-line, the tight ends, uh, they got good backs, they got good receivers. So, uh, and they got a good scheme. So, um the quarterback's just one one part of that, and um, but we're really preparing for the the entire the entire group. Uh, it's a good group. And we'll go ahead and preview this game on a tomorrow's podcast here on Drive Time. But just taking a look at, as Flores mentions, there are the three quarterbacks. Nick Mullins came in a couple of years ago in relief of 
C.J. Beathard in that 2018 season, and he comes off the bench and goes 3-5 and five in eight starts with 13 touchdown passes and 8.3 yards per attempt, and that was after Beathard had got injured that season, and he had eight touchdown passes of his own with an average of 7.4 yards per attempt in that 2018 season, and then, of course, that was the year they went out and acquired Jimmy Garoppolo in the trade with the New England Patriots. So you hear him talk about the scheme and the offense and the different things that 49ers offense does have to feature with George Kittle, all those running backs, the good offense offensive line, the outside zone, the different run concepts they have, the jet sweep, the motion, all the misdirection they offer. It's a lot to prepare for, as Coach mentions there. So whoever the quarterback is, it's going to be a big test on Sunday against this 49ers team that is so well coached. We just got to prepare well this week, practice well this week, uh, fly out to California and uh, uh, try to win a, a, a football game against a good group. And next, Coach was asked about, well, a multiple things here, a multi-pronged question here. First, about the Difficulties of getting players into the building for a workout during this strange season. Let's just go ahead and roll the audio here from Coach Flores. So, yeah, it's harder to get somebody in, obviously. Um, so there's we've already kind of gone through the thought and planning. If we're going to do something, it really is for next week. And I think every team's kind of going through that same process. Um, as far as, you know, the meetings with the coaches, uh, from a playing time standpoint and look, we're, like every team, we want to play our, our, our best players, our most dependable players. Um, we talked about, you know, situations where we want to play guy, different guys and, you know, maybe we want to you know, play some guys more, play some guys less. Um, and we're going to try to, you know, probably practice that way uh, this today and this week, and then, you know, see how, how, uh, how things shake you know, throughout the course of the week. Um, but we always want to get our best guys out there, our best group of guys, our most dependable players. And that last portion of the question there was about taking an evaluation of the team through the first four games of the season and trying to figure out who maybe earns less snaps, who's earned more snaps, that type of thing. So Coach Flores talking about snap counts and workloads heading into the second quarter of the season now with the kickoff of that quote-unquote second quarter Sunday in San Francisco. Up next, Coach was asked about Dolphins receiver, second-year receiver out of Colorado State, Preston Williams, coming off the ACL injury a season ago and where he is right now four games into his second year and still less than 12 months removed from the ACL surgery. Well, I think, you know, coming off an injury, it's, you, you know, you, you never know how, how things are going to shake out. I think he's doing well from a physical standpoint. Uh, Preston's a hardworking kid. Um, he's obviously talented. I think he's, you know, there physically, we just got to, you know, find different ways to get him the ball. And, uh, you know, he's got to, he's got to, he's got to, uh, he's got to come through for us when we, we do throw him the ball. So, um, again, you know, we're four weeks into the season. That's something that was discussed, uh, a part of the discussion with the, with the coaching staff, uh, how to get, um, him more involved and you know, hopefully we get, we do that in the, in the coming weeks. Up next, Coach gives us an update here on the left tackle situation with Austin Jackson, who exited the game on Sunday, returned, and exited again. And the player that played in his place, Julian Davenport, at that left tackle spot. Yeah, well, I thought Julian played well last week when he when he went in there, uh, went in there for Austin. Um, you know, I thought I thought he played well. I thought he, he did a really good job. Um, Austin, you know, as far as practice, you know, you won't see he won't be out there today. Um, you know, hopefully he's still kind of working through some things, but hopefully, you know, tomorrow or, or hopefully tomorrow we'll see. Um, so just from that standpoint, you won't see him today, but Julian played well. Um, yes, we'll always try to play the five best guys. Um, 
so, you know, obviously Julian will be part of that. Rob Hunt will be part of that conversation. So, um, again, we'll see how this goes throughout the practice week, and uh, we'll take it from there. You heard Coach say there that Julian Davenport played well in place of Austin Jackson. Here's the numbers on that to back that up. Pro Football Focus has Davenport with zero pressures allowed on 25 pass-blocking snaps and, in fact, gave him an 85.6 pass-blocking grade in the game. So Julian Davenport comes off the bench, veteran experience there, a six foot seven, 325-pound guy, plenty of experience in this league playing that position. So he comes in and does a fine job in place of Austin Jackson. Up next, Coach was asked about another player who's the back up right now quarterback Tua Tungavailoa and what he has to do to push starter Ryan Fitzpatrick he's got to keep doing what he's doing I think he's I mean, he's in here every day he's working he's practicing well I think that's he just continues to do what he's been doing um, he's learning every day uh, he's getting better and improving every day if he just continues to do what he's doing, he'll, he'll, he's, he's on the right on the right path, on the right trajectory. Again, like we're not going to get an opportunity. We didn't have any preseason games. We, like that's not going to happen. You know, as far as uh, getting a different way, a different look at this. Um, so for him, the only thing he can do is come in, do a good job in meetings, do a good job in the walkthroughs, do a good job in practice, and then um, you know when his opportunity presents itself, which you know. You know, as the backup could be at any point, uh, you know, in the game, you know, I think the 49ers are a great example of that, having played three guys already, then he's just got to be ready. So that's really, that's really it. And you hear coach talk about the fact that there was no preseason, no offseason programs here. Uh, you know, the OTAs that you have four or five of those weekends in the offseason, you can get together for two or three practices and really get to work and, and installing and playing. And then you can apply that in the training camp and apply that in the preseason games. And we've talked about, you know, some of the rookie stats here on this podcast are rookie expectations going into a season where there wasn't an offseason or preseason. And you look at the fact that the Dolphins have gotten production out of some rookies, you know, several rookies on this team. It's pretty impressive to get that turnaround this quickly in an offseason where there was no real offseason. So four games into this new season for the Miami Dolphins, getting a bunch of new people, new faces, young players worked in to the lineup, into the rotation, and on the field on Sundays. And speaking of new players, Coach was asked to evaluate where Dolphins running back Matt Breida is four games into his Miami Dolphins career. Yeah, I think he uh, made some good good plays the other, other day. Um, look, he's an explosive kid, fast. Um, he's practiced well, you know, getting a few more touches. Um, yeah, so I think he's playing well and I hope, hopefully he continues to play well. Um, he's a hardworking guy and you know, it's important to him. So I think he's doing, he's doing a good job. Let's go ahead and finish up here with a question for coach that I actually find pretty intriguing because it gave him a chance to talk about the versatility of the the players along the offensive line, because you think about, you know, let's say if Austin Jackson isn't available for the game, then you have a left tackle you have to replace. Does that become Jesse Davis, who slides over from right tackle? Does it become Julian Davenport? Do you put Robert Hunt in the game? Where does he go? And it makes the, the gears in your head kind of turn and kind of crank thinking about, man, all these Dolphins backups, all these Dolphins starters, for the most part, have experience at multiple positions. I mean, we knew that coming into the season, right? We talked about it on this podcast 
ad nauseum. I mean, it was over and over again about how many of these guys can play multiple spots. We've seen Jesse Davis play four spots along the offensive line in his NFL career. Ted Karras has played three spots on the interior there. Eric Flowers has played tackle and guard. We've got Solomon Kinley can play both guard positions as well. Robert Hunt, guard, tackle combination. It's just, it's endless with this group. Michael Dieter, throw him in there as well. Guard, center, tackle combination at Wisconsin with the Dolphins as well. With this group, there's so much versatility. Here's Coach on how they make the adjustment to shift if they are down one player. Do you move multiple guys? Do you just call up one guy, a primary backup into that role? Here's Coach on shifting the offensive line in case somebody can't go on a Sunday. Robert can play left tackle. I would be comfortable playing Jesse at left tackle. I'm also comfortable playing Julian at left tackle. Uh, so, look, let's see, just see how the week goes. You know, thankfully, we've got a couple of some guys that we we, we feel good about um, going in and, you know, playing left, right. I think uh, all guys, all those guys have, have played both positions. So, But at the same time, look, we're going up against a, a very uh, aggressive defensive line um, and a very, very, very good defense. So, um, this will be a tough, tough challenge, and but you know we'll, we'll see how this goes over the, over the course of the week. Um, I'm not saying Austin's out of the out of the uh, out of the question either. Um, so let's just you know take it one day at a time. But yeah, I'm comfortable with all those guys playing. You know, really left or right, they're all they're all. Uh, you know, I think Steve will do a good job of getting them ready. But we're gonna we're gonna need to play well from from an O line and really a team standpoint against this team. They're they're, they're very good. I almost jumped in there and cut Coach off mid-sentence. I apologize for that, Coach. But there he is going ahead and finish up his Wednesday morning press conference availability. You heard him talk there about the aggressiveness of this 49ers front. And we kind of saw that in the Jacksonville game a little bit. Those guys were getting upfield and penetrating immediately. And there was a lot of good windback runs from Miles Gaskin in that game where they were able to kind of take advantage of the aggressiveness and work against that aggressiveness, against that flow of the defense. And it reminds me that their defensive line coach there, Chris Kusarek, the former Dolphins defensive line coach, is now in San Francisco. And despite the fact that they're going to be down Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Ezekiel Ansah, who signed there after those injuries, is also now down. They still play that one game aggressive get upfield mentality play with your hair on absolute fire we saw cam wake really excel in that system here in miami under coach chris and i'm i'm curious to see how that works out how they adapt to that aggressive play style how they kind of try to combat that should be a good matchup up up front between a niners line who's down a few bodies but still can get production out of that defensive line up against this dolphins offensive line that's played really well so far through four games speaking of playing well on the offensive line The Wednesday feature up on MiamiDolphins.com covers Dolphins left guard Eric Flowers, who of course signed this offseason in free agency with his hometown team. And the story is called Quality and Quiet because his coaches claim he doesn't say much, but Eric Flowers' play on the field speaks volume, especially through four games here with the Miami Dolphins. And I talk about in this story how football is a game of routine each season, each week, each day. These are all carefully crafted schedules down to the minute, down to the 15-minute block, whatever it might be, whether it's weights, film study, meals, or practice. All the day's events here in Davie are scheduled into these time blocks, and the off-season program looks different than the regular season, which evolves from the training camp workload. And at training camp this past summer at Dolphins Camp, whether it was 10.01, or 10.02, maybe 10.03 on some days, the morning onlookers there at the practice field here in Davie would observe the double doors at the Dolphins training facility opening wide and emerging from that 
was the Dolphins' new 343-pound offensive lineman, Eric Flowers. At some point during the 15-minute period or so that predates practice, you have Fitzpatrick and Tua out there passing the ball back and forth. You've got some of the offensive line guys working on some sets, some of the DBs working on ball tracking and receivers catching the football, getting stretched, getting loose. Everyone's out there working on their own thing. And in that 15 minutes, it's kind of up to your own accord what you want to do. But every single player does eventually emerge from the building, this nice, cool, air-conditioned building into the scorching South Florida sun for a two-hour practice with pre-work and post-work. And everybody's got their pads on, everybody has their helmet in their hand, but Eric Flowers came equipped with extra accessories. We tweeted about it. He had a harness and band apparatus designed to help increase resistance in workouts. And after the grueling practices are over, extra instruction with Eric would begin. The three rookie draft picks, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Solomon Kinley, they were all in those bonus sessions working out with Eric Flowers. And here's what Austin Jackson had to say about Eric Flowers and his leadership back in September. He's, he's entering his sixth year in the league, so he's definitely somebody I look up to. You know, he has a lot more knowledge about things and how things goes, and uh, he's just real helpful. And he's definitely somebody, you know, I look up to on the O-line. We look up to. And it helps, you know, him playing right next to me. So, you know, just getting to work with him and pick his brain about stuff, um, it's really helpful. And he's one of those four new starters along the Dolphins' offensive line and the most veteran among them. Flowers quickly took that leadership role bestowed upon him and flew with it. But his coaches claim that even though he is a leader, he's more of a by-example kind of guy rather than that rah-rah cheerleader type. And Dolphins offensive coordinator Chan Gailey talked about what it is that makes Eric Flowers productive and the type of season he's having so far through these first four games. He's having a a very good start to the season. He is... uh... Uh, a calming influence on uh, on the line for us. He's um, very competitive on game day, but very quiet during the week and very calm and really very professional about the way he goes about his business. So uh, I've been very happy with what he's brought to us, not only on the field, playing, blocking, run game, pass game, but what he brings uh, as a as a leader to our offensive line. And on that topic of being a leader on the offensive line, Coach Steve Marshall, the offensive line coach here in Miami, furthered that point and talked about the quiet nature of Eric Flowers' leadership. Well, Eric Flowers is 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 a quiet man, uh, you know, from talking. But you know, he, when he does talk, he, he's you know he's an experienced player. Uh, he's been through some ups and downs in his career, and. Uh, He's, you know, Ted and Jesse and Eric, uh, you know, you guys have asked a lot about the young guys, but uh, the real credit goes to those guys, you know, as far as helping young guys. And Eric is certainly leadership wise uh, and he's, he does it with his play. He has played out. He has played very well. His first four games, I mean, we played four, uh, first four games. And uh, I think he's, uh, uh, you know, he, He's done well and done. He's exceeded expectations, and uh, we can, you know, we're going to count on him moving forward uh, as we are the rest of the guys. 
And we know that Eric Flowers was drafted as a tackle back in 2015 with the Giants. Played there a little bit with New York, played there with Jacksonville, but he made the switch last season with the Washington football team inside to guard, and he took to that new position right away. He played 588 snaps in pass protection, with only four of those pass protection snaps resulting in a hit on the Washington quarterback from that left guard position. That was rarefied error. Only one other guard in the National Football League that had more than 500 pass blocking snaps allowed fewer QB hits than Flowers, and that was Dallas Cowboys four-time All-Pro guard Zach Martin, that per pro football focus. And Flowers now comes to a new city, but the results through four games, they've been similar, including the praise heaped on the former Miami Hurricane and current Miami Dolphin from his offensive line coach in Washington, Bill Callahan, who said over the course of the offseason, I think the world of Eric Flowers. I just like the way he works, how he goes about his business. He's physical. He's been really good in pass protection. He's a strong square force in that respect. And he also went on to talk about Flowers' leadership and how he's kind of a quiet guy that continues to put his head down and work that way and the pass protection prowess he had last season again translating this year into the first quarter of his first year with his hometown team flowers is credited with only five pressures allowed on the quarterback so far through four games and four of those pressures are hurries which means ryan fitzpatrick has only been hit one time from a pass rusher coming off left guard on his 174 dropbacks flowers has 15th among nfl guards in pressures allowed per pass blocking snaps that's one pressure every 34 snaps again per pro football focus but performing at a high level was always flowers greatest ambition but doing it in the stadium he used to attend as a child and a fan is nothing short of a dream come true i think it's been great i mean i grew up coming to training camps you know i mean going to games from pop warner the team you know i mean how they set it up where pop warner's good to go to games i've i've always followed the dolphins and it's really a dream, dream come true to me Sometimes when you hear, you don't really, really, really sit down and think about it. You know what I mean? I probably, probably my family more so than me is like realizing what's going on. And he was the ninth pick in the 2015 NFL draft. And that same comment, he said the first dream was getting to the NFL. But then once you kind of have more of a chance to, to kind of get a bird's eye approach, my bird's eye view of that and see which teams you might want to play for, the Dolphins were certainly on his on his radar there. And he mentioned Ricky Williams and Jake Long as two players he used to grow up watching. But he also mentioned watch or listening rather to WQAM and the radio with his dad talking about how he and his family have always grown up following this team. And in the article, I conclude talking about his routine and how he really inundated himself with football, both from a play standpoint, from following the Dolphins, being a fan of the game. And he eventually would earn a full ride scholarship to one of the nation's top programs, most storied programs in the University of Miami. And it earned him the honorable distinction of being a top 10 NFL draft pick and eventually comes full circle here in Miami when he signed a free agent contract to come back to where the place where it all began. He said he grew up always wanting to play here in Miami. Being able to play all three levels in Miami is a real special opportunity, said Eric Flowers. And if he could trade places with the little kid right now, listening to WQAM on Sunday afternoon, he'd hear Joe Rose emphatically shout his name on what has become a routine for Eric Flowers, a quiet giant who routinely executes punishing blocks. Let's move forward now to the player media availability as that Eric Flower story will be out on Thursday. We're going to get a chance to talk to Eric. We'll make that happen tomorrow for you guys and have it up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as here on the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and get to Ryan Fitzpatrick's media availability and start off with a joke with Ryan, which he tends to do this. He's one of the funnest guys you'll ever talk to in this sport. He was told about a poll that was put up on the Palm Beach Post 
uh, Twitter account or website or something to that effect, and that he was in the lead for the Dolphins quarterback positioning right now. And Fitz had this to say about that poll. Fitz, that's huge. Well, I've got, yeah, I mean, I had all my kids vote in that poll. So. <laughs> and on a more serious note, Fitz was asked about the performance of Matt Breida on Sunday and the problem having so many playmakers to get the ball to that many guys on offense. Here's Fitz on that topic. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, he he was very explosive. Um, you know, some of those little checkdowns and things he did with the ball. So, um, you know, I think that was great to see a guy that if you, you give him some space, he's going to be able to make some plays. And, um, you know, I, as we go here, we're just going to continue to find our playmakers and our playmakers are going to continue to have the ball find them. So that was a good uh, – you know, good step in the right direction for him in terms of taking advantage of some of the opportunities that he got. And I'm sure more will come, you know, as he continues to make plays like that. Hey Fitz, two questions ago, you made a comment there about uh, the ball will find your playmakers and Chan Gailey has talked about how there are plenty of mouths to feed in this offense. I'm curious, is that something that you're conscious of when you, you know, go into a play and break the huddle? Are you thinking about, okay, I need to get so-and-so involved or is it a hundred percent of the time, like read based and not worrying about which Jersey number you're throwing the football to? Uh, no, I mean, sometimes when it's, when it's man coverage across the board, uh, and you've got five one-on-ones and sometimes, you know, you're forced to make those decisions. Okay. Who, where's, where's my best matchup? And you know, sometimes it's dictated by who is covering our guy, and a lot of time it's dictated by uh, the particular route that we have our guys on, and and if we like them or not, if they've shown in the past that they can win on that route. So, um, you know, sometimes it is when it's a bigger zone game, then it is kind of going through your reads and guys being in the right spots uh, and maybe making some run after the catch. But um, you know, I, I think the confidence that I have in our group is high. And, you know, there are guys like Preston that, you know, he hasn't started off this year, the same numbers wise as he did last year. And, and some of that is, is definitely, you know, on me and, and looking to get him, you know, more involved. Devonte is always going to be a guy. We're going to try to get the ball. Jakeem's shown some really nice things for us. As you mentioned, Matt uh, Gasicki had a, had a great game uh, and, you know, a guy I need to continue to get the ball to. So, it's a good problem that we have, you know, we've, we've got guys that aren't getting enough touches. That means we have a lot of playmakers and, we'll, you know, I'll continue to try to do my best to spread it around. And we'll go ahead and finish up here with this comment from Fitzpatrick about the importance in the NFL, because sometimes the fans might see things as you're going to the Super Bowl after every win, or you need to fire everybody and bench everybody after every single loss and how it's important to manage that even kill mentality and how he believes that the quarterback the Dolphins have in the room behind him and Tua Tungavailoa helps provide that even kill balance and temperament, always being a happy, smiling, happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, it's, it's been, I mean, the week is, the week is young, but it's been, it's just been a normal week. I mean, he, he's just a very positive guy in general, you know, a guy that it it doesn't seem like he's ever had a bad day. So, um, I, I just think it's important, especially in the NFL, every, every week is so extreme, whether you won and you're on your way to the Super Bowl, you lost and the sky is falling and everybody needs to be fired and benched. It's just staying level. And, you know, keeping that, that good vibe, those good feelings, sometimes when you lose it is tough to do, but it's an important thing to have in the building. And I would just say with him, that's kind of his personality. You know, every day he kind of comes in and uh, has a smile on his face. So 
in, in times like this where you've lost a few and, you know, at the outside world thinks the sky is falling, it's nice to have those guys walking through the locker room upbeat and, you know, with a smile on their face. And we had a nice short and sweet interview with Jerome Baker on the other side of the football at linebacker. Here's Jerome and my question for the Dolphins linebacker. Hey, Jerome, you briefly mentioned the uh, motion of the 49ers offense, and that's something they actually lead the NFL in pretty much every year under Kyle Shanahan, the most pre-snap motion. I'm curious for you as a linebacker, how how do you stay away from kind of taking the eye candy and all that window dressing they do to kind of stay to your keys and, and not fall for all the motion and misdirection? Uh, for me, it's understanding your defense. Um, depending on where you are on the call, it might be your job to leverage the motion. It might be the motion might not affect you at all. Uh, just just understanding, you know, what your role is. And then throughout the week, you, you really want to go through film and make calls and adjustments and just get used to constantly seeing it. Uh, so, you know, on Sundays, it's a lot easier. Uh, you more just anticipate, you know, motion and what they do. Uh, so that's the one thing I'll, well, this week, I'm just take that approach of uh, just kind of every play, just look forward to motion and expect it. So, when it actually comes on Sunday, it'd be a lot smoother. And next, we got new Dolphins receiver. I guess not that new. Four weeks, right? Dolphins receiver Lynn Bowden, who, of course, was acquired back right around the beginning of September in a trade with Las Vegas Raiders. A couple of sound bites here from Lynn Bowden, the Dolphins rookie receiver, and his comments on the trade to Miami back in September. Uh, you know, me, I, I like to think the past in the past. You know, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm loving where I'm at. It's life. And the rookie was also very short and sweet like Jerome Baker. Here's his final response about a question about where he thinks he best fits in an offense, receiver, running back, where that might be. He just says having the ball in his hands. Maybe just having the ball in my hand. You know, um, I ain't too big of uh, talking about myself. You know, I, I like to let the game play, uh, you know, play for itself. So, but if I had it to, it's just having the ball in my hand probably. And we'll go ahead and pivot now to the offensive line and Jesse Davis, the Dolphins' right tackle and captain. First, I had a chance to ask Jesse about quiet leadership when it comes to both he and Eric Flowers. Hey, Jesse, wanted to ask you about uh, your teammate Eric Flowers at the left guard position. I've heard a lot of stuff about how quiet of a leader he is. We had both Chan Gailey and, and Steve Marshall talk about that. Just wanted to get your take on how a, a player can be a leader but be a quiet leader. Yeah, I mean, Eric kind of stages in his lane and you know, goes to work every day and he um, leads by example. You know, he's always on time. He's always there to, you know, help if somebody asks him for help. But, um, you know, some guys are different. I'm the same way. I don't really sit there and try to, you know, rah-rah everybody around me. But, you know, if something needs to be said, then we'll say it. But uh, Eric's done a good job. So Jesse was up first. Fitz went second on this day. And he jumped in, Fitz did, to the, to the media room when Jesse was doing his presser. And here's what he did. Yeah. Mike Swanee! I mean, every day that guy gives us something fun to laugh about in these press conferences. Gotta love Fitzpatrick. Up next, Jesse, and we talked about this in the open of the podcast during Flores' media. This is a guy that's played four positions on the offensive line in his NFL career over the course of, what has it been, four or five years now. Jesse talked about the transition of going from one spot to another and how it's all about reps and getting those rep counts up so you can kind of get the familiarity back, get the muscle memory back, and get the routine of a new position if you do have to move on game day or in a practice week, whatever it might be, playing multiple spots, it's all about reps. Once you do something so many times in one way, you know, you do it the other way, it doesn't feel natural or smooth, but um, doesn't mean you can't do it or can't do it at a high level. And it's just reps, you know, how many reps you can get 
get it down and uh, trust in yourself doing it. Hey, Jesse, on the topic of challenges, and I'm going to butcher his name, I never could get it right, but Coach Chris Kusarek, the former defensive line coach here, is now in San Francisco, and I recall him playing or you know instituting a, a one-gap, hair-on-fire, get-up-field type of scheme. How does that, like, how do you combat that? What are some of the challenges that presents for an offensive lineman? Yeah, Coach uh, Chris, uh, Kusarek, um, yeah, he's a fiery guy, man. I remember him and you know, hooting and hollering and everything. Great guy, great coach. Um, yeah, that's what we're going to expect. We're going to expect, you know, this D-line front to have a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, passion for the game. And, you know, it's up to us really to, you know, make sure that we do our job right, keep fits clean. And so there you have it. Jesse Davis, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little bit of Jerome Baker in there. We had some audio from Coach Marshall and Coach Gailey. Had a little bit of talk there about Eric Flowers, and we also heard from Lynn Bowden. Let's go ahead and with that, put a bow on this podcast, this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. And of course, check out MiamiDolphins.com, the Fish Tank Podcast, and the Audible Podcast tomorrow. We're going to have the Eric Flowers piece, the game preview. We'll have flashback on Friday. And then, of course, the coverage over the weekend of Dolphins at 49ers. Plenty of content coming your way here on MiamiDolphins.com and the Drive Time Podcast. Until next time, fins up.